believe that this morning, that God is with us forever and ever? Amen. He is indeed. Please be seated. We're going we're gonna to read God's Word together in Hebrews 11. I think uh, you might have already read it while I was back there trying to warm up. There's a, it's great, isn't it? Isn't it great to have a new life, new, someone new in the kingdom to walk with? Amen. Amen. God is at work here, folks. He's at work here. I want you to know. He's got a lot for us to be doing, and he's showing us just a little bit more every day, isn't he? Because we keep going to him. That's what we're going to really talk about this morning. It's faith. We're going to talk about faith this morning. Everybody here have a good definition of faith? Uh, we're going to learn it this morning. Let's pray together before we do it. Our Lord and our God. Oh, we come to you this morning together. How wonderful it is, Lord, to be able to walk with people who love you, who believe you, who trust in you. Lord, our faith is in you this morning. Lord, we thank you already for the blessings that you give us each and every day because we have faith in you. Lord, I pray this morning as we come here into your word, we meet you in this word, Lord, that we do just that. Everyone that's here this morning, Lord, I pray that our hearts are in the right place, and that means falling down before you. Lord, may we just pour ourselves out before you, just like David said, like a drink offering. No place else to go but you, Lord, knowing, Lord, that you take care of the ones that you love. Matter of fact, Lord, as we just sang, you never leave us. Oh, our faith is in that promise, Lord. You've given it to us in your word. So now, Lord, as we look in your word, Open our hearts and our minds and all that we are. Pour you into us, Lord, I pray, so we may be more like you, becoming more like you every day. Praise you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, we say amen. 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 We rest in that. Well, this is great. We're going to get into Hebrews 11 this morning. Everybody has a Bible right there in front of you. Grab one if you don't. And I turn to Hebrews 11. Now, if you have troubles finding it, it's over in the New Testament. Just because it says Hebrews doesn't mean we're in the Old Testament. We're reading that together during the week. But you got it. Go to it. Hebrews 11. If you don't know exactly where it is, someone next to you can help you, I'm sure. This is one of the most famous passages in the whole Bible. Um, they called the Hall of Faith. You ever heard that one? Because in it, we're going to look at a lot of people who have placed their faith in God. And they're with him now. Because God is faithful to those who are faithful to him. As a matter of fact, he's so faithful. We just read saying he's with us forever and ever. He is. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. That's right here in Hebrews 2. We're going to read that here. But you know what? We should never even think about leaving him. Sometimes we do, don't we? As we learned last week, you know what? We need to cling to him. I know he's never going to let go. But you know what? There's a lot of world around me trying to drag me out. Anybody, anybody here experiencing that same thing or is it just me? Yeah, he does. He tries to distract us all the time, doesn't he, away from it. This hall of faith this morning is something that everybody's read. It's been, been reading the Bible for any length of time. But here's the problem with it. When you get so familiar with passages, sometimes that can be dangerous. Because you don't read it in context. You have to read it in context for all that it says. That's why we're reading through the Bible together. A lot of us are. And if you're not doing that and you want to start with us, start now. Because we're reading it through it and we're taking everything that we're learning from it and we're sharing it online and every, during the week, during Bible studies and prayer meetings. And it's a great thing to be able to walk through the Bible with a group of believers, isn't it? It really isn't to be able to share that walk. You have to read this thing in context, though. And... 
You can't just read your favorite part and then go on and leave all the rest of it. You have to read it in context. What, is, what led up to it? What comes after it? And let me tell you what. When you do that, you're going to find out if you read the whole Bible in context, there's a great message here that you cannot get all of it ever. It's an incredible thing, and it's all about Jesus Christ, believe it or not. We've been discovering that he's in the beginning and he's in the end. He's, in the, he's from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the first book of the Bible to the last one. He is indeed the Alpha and the Omega, isn't he? Yeah, any amens in here this morning? Feel free. You know, good. Hebrews 11 comes after we've been, we've been reading through this. For those of you who haven't been here before, we, we, we've, we've been reading through this for a couple, three months. And um, it, this part comes after a whole series of warnings to his people. The writer had, had just finished reminding us that this little church, this, this book's written to a little church, little bitty church, um, back in, in the first century. And uh, he'd been reminding this little church, don't take the gospel lightly. You know, you've heard it. You know, here, we get to take, what, we hear it on the radio, he's, sort of. And, you know, but, but we hear, a, hear the gospel about everywhere we are. But don't take it lightly just because you might be saying it, seeing it everywhere. Don't just have this superficial understanding of sin. Whoa, there's one that kind of hits us, isn't it? We, we, we know a little bit. Everybody here is a sin expert, I know. Yeah? But you know what? Jesus is the one that teaches us about that, isn't it? That he's already taken it all away. But he says, don't take this. Don't just think you have a little bit of understanding of sin. Because if you do, and here's one thing I know, and we see this over and over again as we've been reading through the Old Testament and we read all the way through the Bible, that unless you really understand that this sin is sending you to hell, and there is no way out except Jesus Christ. He died and took away all that sin. There's no other way to get into heaven. Unless you understand that about sin, unless you know your hopelessness, you're not really going to understand Jesus Christ and what he did on that great work on the cross. Uh, They're warning them about that. He even warned them that what would happen if someone came and they saw this thing and, and they saw the gospel, but they turned away from it. That's even worse, isn't it? It's the worst thing that could happen. We talked about that last week. And he, here's what he told him to do. Now you're a believer, so this doesn't happen to you. Don't turn away. Remember. It's what we just did a while ago when we took communion, wasn't it? That word remembers, we said last week, actually means relive it. Do it as if you're reliving it right there with Jesus Christ. So he said, remember that your experience is in Christ. This church, that this little church, it's been under a whole lot of persecution uh, under the Roman emperor. And these people, they were facing they, none of them had died yet, but they were facing that. It was coming. So there was a lot of things that they needed to remember how Christ has been with them all the way. Now, I want to, I want to ask you something here this morning. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. If you are, do you remember the things that have happened in your life that Christ took care of to keep you, even times when you didn't even know it? You need to remember those times because he's your Savior. He's the one that, that takes you out of those situations or walks you through them. You know, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells you that. He's not going to give you any kind of trial. And they are trials if you belong to him. He's not going to give you any trial that he doesn't either provide you a way out or the strength to endure. We serve a pretty good Lord, don't we? And he does give us tests and trials to bring us closer to him while we're here in this life. So they remember the times when they had been them. They had been with him and he had been with them and they'd, they'd suffered through it. And... He had been through some pretty tough times already. 
So they were to remember that, and in that they find their strength. And here's the last thing we read last week in chapter 10. It says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. That's what your NIV says in front of you. I like the way the NASB says it better. Uh, it, says, it says, but of those who have faith to the persevering of the soul. Makes it all the way to the end. Our soul is saved. Our whole being forevermore is saved in Jesus Christ. And we have to persevere in this world to that. But it's okay. He never leaves us. We can do that, can't we? He can do that. I don't know if we can or not. But let's keep reading this thing. 39, it says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Let me tell you one thing. When you see the word believe here and, uh, and trust and things like that, they're the same word as faith. Actually, in the Greek, they actually use that as a verb. So you can faith somebody or faith Jesus you believe him. Do you believe him? You know, how do you believe him? How do you know it's true? He lives in there. When he comes in, you know, you get to know him, and then you find out, whoa, the Lord really is real, and he really does love me, and he really has saved me. You know, if, you've, if you've been with Christ, you know that. Let's read this. It says, so those who shrink, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and save. And then beginning in 11, it says, now faith. He just ended that last one with faith. Because of faith. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And I got to tell you something. The first, when I read that years ago, yeah, a long time ago, uh, you know what it says? I have hope. I'm not sure. I'm now sure of what I hope for, and I'm certain of what I do not see. That's a hard thing for some of us, isn't it? You can admit it. It's okay. You know, we have a lot of people here who are thinkers, educated, and we're actually taught in a way what we call the way Aristotle thought. It's called Aristotelian thought. And we're, we're kind of, we get submersed in that. We've actually been baptized in it. That's the only way we think. It has to be this and this and this, and then I can look at it and I can see what it is. I can put it in this box and I know it's a piece. You think that way, right? Admit it. That's not what this is saying. How can you be certain of something you hadn't seen? How can you have the assurance of that? I'm going to show you how. Because this chapter 11 tells us exactly how we can have that assurance and how we know that. Let's look at this. And there's another thing I want you to know. If you, if you have your Bible there, I hope you, it, most translations use the same word, commended, over and over again. You see commended all the way through chapter 11? Let me tell you, when it says commended, it's not talking about a participation trophy. It's not talking about just getting something because you were there, you know, and you've been commended. You're held in high esteem. You know what this is talking about? This is a, a final, eternal commending. You're commended to God for eternity. Whoa. Because you participated? No. Because you were a winner? No, not really. Let's keep reading this. This is talk about in the final commendation, the eternal commendation, instead of a commendation of good works. It's not what it's about at all. You know what? You're not going to stand before the God and say, hey, look, I was the best of this and I was the best of that. Because you know what? That's relying on you. You have to rely on God for everything. That's what faith is. You have faith 
and you deposit, you have a choice. You can deposit your faith in him or in, not in him. It's binary for you Aristotelian thought people. It's a binary. It's a yes or a no. You can either trust him or not. That's what we're talking about here. Where have you deposited your faith? Where do you place your faith? Every time, every step you take, where do you put it? You see, when you get to heaven or we come before God someday, there's two things, two choices you could have made, only two, where you will be commended or you'll be condemned. There is no other. You can't negotiate it. You can't come up with some scheme at the last minute. You're going to either be approved by God or you're not. So what is that approval all about? And a matter of fact, it says right here, this is what, how the ancients did it. What? The ancients? Did you, you know who they are? It's not me. I'm sorry. I know you were thinking that. You know who the ancients are or who the ancients were? They were the church fathers, the ones who placed their faith in God and walked with him, and they died with their faith in him. Ah, oh, only the body died. I got to tell you that. Let's keep reading. This letter was written to Hebrews, Jews. And, and on this side of the cross, and they're ta- he's talking about the ancients being with God, being home. You know what they got to be thinking? The same thing I've heard some of you, no names, have asked the same thing. So they're probably wondering, so what about Abraham? What about Moses? What about David? What about any of these people? How could they be in heaven? Did, Christ hadn't even come yet. Did you ever have that thought? You ever wonder that? Hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see a few. Yeah, it's kind of an embarrassing thing, isn't it? So how are they included in Christ's grace? Well, the writer tells us that these men and women received their commendation, their approval because they exercised faith. They exercised it. They didn't make a one-time thing, okay, good, check that box, I'm in. Mm -mm. They exercised it every day. They walked by faith. You know what? That's hard to do, isn't it? You can admit that too. It is hard to do. Romans 4.12, Paul got in on the act too here. He says that Abraham was counted righteous before God because of his faith. Wow. These passages clearly teach us that The redeemed of Israel, who lived before the death and resurrection of Christ, were saved because they had faith, and they placed their faith in God. Ah, that includes Jesus Christ, doesn't it? He also placed their faith in his promise that there's someone coming, a Messiah, someone who's going to take us to heaven. They placed their faith there. Is that where you place your faith? Have you placed your faith in the Messiah, Jesus Christ? We're on this side of the cross. We know what he's done and what he's doing, don't we? These people didn't know that, but they placed their faith in something they had not seen, but God had promised them. And they had their assurance in that. Isn't that where we should place our assurance? God's promises. He's made a lot of promises right here in this book. And guess what? He's spoken it, and it's been printed we carry it around with us. If you don't have one of these, we got a ton of them in the office. Be glad to give you one. Matter of fact, you can take one under the pew if you want. We don't mind that, do we? Good. It's God's word. I want you to know it because that's the only way you know him. Okay, let's go here.
So Christians are known by their faith in the word of God. You know, I'm, I'm not going to get into any details, but it seems like every week I meet somebody new who is a profound, outspoken atheist and wants to try to convince me that there is no God. Well, you know what? We have to have the same starting place, don't we? I'm starting with God. He's already proven that in my life, and he's proven that in a whole lot of lives here. I know that. So you know what? We're starting there, and we're staying there. I have no reason to move because I know he's God. He shows himself to us all the time. Look what it says here in, in 3. But it's the spoken word of God that we get that. Look at verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. You know what? I don't know about you. I wasn't there at creation. There may have been one or two here. No, I mean, I wasn't there at creation. We were not there. We, don't, we didn't have that experience. And neither did the people who argue that there is no God. But God has shown us and told us he did it. I'm glad to say that he did it. We affirm that God is the creator of all that is because by faith we, we received it from Scripture, from God's word. You know what? I, I said this once in the, in the, and I got in trouble for it, but I'm not ashamed of it. And I'll say this for as long as I live. The more I read this Bible... The more I read it, the more I take it in, the more I know God and I know he's real. I know that he lives and he's alive right now. If you don't know that, please come, let's talk. You know, and if you don't want to talk with me, I would point you to Isaiah 6. Isaiah 1, it says, come, this is God talking. Come, let us reason together. Go reason with him. That's what I told that guy last week that was an atheist. He said, I don't know. I don't understand all this. He got all axle wrapped in, in the argument. And, and uh, that's okay. I said, go talk to him. You don't have to talk to me anymore. I'm good. Go talk to him. He invites you to do that. I do that. His scripture is where we do that. The more we read scripture, the more we know him and that he is. He is truth. He is, he is love. He's God. And he loves you. He loves everybody here. So much that he sent his only son to die for you. To show you what God is like in a human being. But he didn't have any sin like you and I did. And he took our sins to the cross, died, and let me tell you what happened really after that. I'm going to really blow us on this Easter thing. He rose from the dead. <laughs> he's alive today, and he's living right now at the right hand of God. I know that because I know him in his word, and I know him in my heart. He comes and he raids your heart if you don't know him. He comes and he lives there, and he never leaves. That's kind of a good thing. We did sing that song, didn't we? Right, good song, good choice. So his word before us. Uh, beginning in verse 4, we have a list of Old Testament people, people who placed their faith in God from the beginning. And they ex exercised their faith to the end, and they received his eternal commendation. As we walk through this hall of faith, we're going to find out things about th um, these faithers. That's what I'm going to call them. Is that okay? They, they exercise their faith. It's a verb. It's something that they do. They, they, they wouldn't know, you wouldn't know anything about them if you just went back in the Old Testament and read them. So here's a heads up for all the, those who are reading through the Old Testament. We're going to find out things here that God reveals in the New Testament about people in the Old Testament that we couldn't have read there. Did I get, get that all out right? We're going to find out new things about those guys we didn't know before. And each story begins with, I don't know what your Bible says, but it should say this, by faith. Did you say that? Look in your verse, right? It says, by faith, okay, by faith. It's not with, by good works. 
Oh, he was a great guy. He was a great politician. He was a great worker. He did a lot of social good. He was really good. It doesn't say that by being good, by being a good worker. It says by faith. These are the ones that are before God by faith. Uh, We're not going to do that thing by the good because you know what that would be? That would be moralizing the Old Testament. We're going to go there to find out how to be good. You know, we teach that in Sunday school sometimes, don't we? You know, we teach a story about, about Moses. They say, well, you know what? Um, be like Moses. Don't be like the Pharaoh. That's not right. It's by faith. It's not by goodness. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. Maybe that's. So look, here's the first by faith guy, Abel. Now, here's we're going to find out something we couldn't find out in the Old Testament. Back in Genesis 4, it talks about these two guys, Cain and Abel, the first, first guys who were born to, to uh, Adam and Eve. And look what verse 4 says. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks even though he is dead. Hmm. So, by faith. Did you read that back in Genesis 4 when you were reading through it? Huh. By faith. That's how, he, how, how Abel did that. In Genesis 4, Abel, Abel offered a uh, sacrifice from his flock. And Cain brought an offering of the, of the fruit of the ground. You know, it's kind of like, I always thought of that as like meat and potatoes, you know. But no, that's not what it's saying here at all. Matter of fact, yeah, I know we, we share that love for meat and potatoes, don't we? There, there's, a, <laughs> there's, um, there's nothing wrong with bringing a fruit offering or a vegetable offering or something like that, a grain offering before God. As a matter of fact, later on in, in the Old Testament, when all the laws were laid down for worshiping God and bring your offerings before God, it says you have to bring grain offerings. You have to bring those kind of... So that's not really what that was all about. So what was wrong with Cain's offering? Well, you know what? We get some hints as we read through the Old Testament. Um, and uh, you know, it says that life is in the blood. We had to offer life to God so that he could pour out his wrath on this life offering we were, so that his wrath could be poured out. And that covered our sins for just a little bit, but not long, did it? Just till the next time we sin. We've talked about that. And then here in, in Hebrews 9.22, we read that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. I see Abel's sacrifice as a foreshadowing of the sacrificial system that came later on in, in the Old Testament, but I also think that he knew he was in sin trouble and he had to offer life to God so God could pour out his wrath on it. And that's really what that sacrificing is all about, isn't it? Aren't you glad that we've had Christ's blood poured out for you and me and our sins are covered? No more offerings are necessary, are they, if we place our faith in Christ's great works. That's really what we're facing, isn't it? Mm. I think Abel realized that. And Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God because he said he was pleased with it. And by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. Mm. That's a way we can follow that model, isn't it? And here's one you may not have even thought about as being a great father. This is one that's about Enoch. Look at, the, look at verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Hmm. 
Here we are back to that, being commended again. You really don't know much about Enoch. Did you ever read that story? Do you remember him? Anybody here doesn't? Uh, back in, uh, it says, when Enoch had lived, this is all we have on him. I'm, I'm going to read it. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. That's all we know. So, wow. Had a great end to his life, didn't he? That's the way to go out. We're all going out that way if you know the Lord. He's going to come and take us home someday, isn't he? All these bodies, you know, I, I, I've said that before. I, I worried this body someday is going to die if the Lord tarries. And you know what? When it does, eh, I'm sure there'll be some pain and everything going to the other side. But I got to tell you, I know being with him forever and ever, all that pain's going to be gone, right? And we get to live in his love. And that's what we're living for by faith. That's why I, I, it's a lot of troubles. Trouble for me anyway to place my faith in this world. I hope it is for you too. But we do it, don't we? Too many distractions. I'm sorry by the world. But we know we have faith in the Lord. We can overcome all of that. The only time I could ever think about anybody being taken up uh, is, I guess, Elijah. You know, Elijah was taken up by a fiery chariot, you know. That was a, yeah, I don't know. Must have been a shivy. But, 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 the, author, but the author Hebrews tells us this. Tells us Enoch was taken by God because of his faith. Because of his faith. We learn that here. Enoch's faith honored God, so God commended him so that he did not experience death. You know, faith honors God, and God honors faith. Good way to think about it, isn't it? Are we in this together with him? Yeah. We faith him, and he, he honors our faith, too. The stories of Cain, Cain, and, Cain and Enoch both testify that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Whoa, there's one you need to remember. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We're here to please him, aren't we? We're here, here for his glory. Without faith, it's impossible to be commended. Great works, super humanitarianism, or works of marvelous eternal righteousness may get us commendation from the world. It's not going to get us to heaven. It won't work. It won't be enough to please God. How could you possibly please God by your good works? Any of us by our good works. He is all that there is good. He's perfect. He's pure. We can't do it. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if someone walks perfectly before mankind by his standards, there's still no commendation of God without Jesus Christ. You know, that's what we're talking about here. What we're doing here is we're, we're doing work here together. I pray that we're doing the work that Jesus Christ gives us to do. We go to him, we place our faith in him, that he's going to show us what he wants us to do, not what we want us to do, what he wants us to do. That's what we're doing here. And listen to this, I believe. With, with faith, with faith, it is impossible to be condemned. Huh, what do you think? Do you believe that? 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, it's impossible to be condemned. How glorious is this gospel, huh? How wonderful it is. The righteousness of Christ is credited to us. If you believe Jesus Christ, if you placed your faith in him as your Savior and Lord, his righteousness, which is perfect, has been given to you because he represents you before God. God doesn't see your sins anymore. He looks through Jesus. Now he doesn't see your sins anymore. Oh, isn't it wonderful to walk with the Lord? Isn't it wonderful to belong to him forever? All your sins have been removed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what we testified a while ago together, is that we have taken the blood of Jesus Christ, which washes away our sins. Hmm. I got a cartoon. I want to pull that up. Maybe we can put that up on the slide sometime. But there, there is. He's washed your clothes as white as snow. That means everything that you are. Whatever you're covered with before, you're now not covered with sin at all. It's what Jesus has given you, which is perfectly clean. You know what? So if by faith we cannot be condemned, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this to you again in, in the NIV. This is one of my favorite verses, and it's one we need to live by. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate us from him. Our faith in him, we cannot be condemned. And because of our faith, he commends us and he rewards us with blessings. Whoa, here we are before our Lord and God who died for us. We received his forgiveness his sins by faith, and yet he's still going to give us blessings. If that doesn't make you fall down on your knees, I don't know what will. He's still going to give us blessings, only because we've been washed clean by him. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know what? Do you earnestly seek him? I know. You say, I'm a believer. I've come to Christ. I came to Christ 50 years ago. You know, who cares? Are you seeking him today? You never stop. You know, one thing we have been learning is that you put your eyes on Jesus and you cling to him. He's clinging to you. Because we live in a world where it's trying to pull you away from him all the time. But it can't if you know Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation. And here's the thing. You know what ties us to these blessings? Read it. Faith. Faith ties us, ties us to the blessings of God. Faith trusts God's promises. You know, I, I don't even know what to do with that. When you read this and you see trust and you see faith, they're the same word. I don't know why we do this and mess it up so much up in the English language. Trust and faith are the same thing. You place your faith in him, you deposit it, and you leave it there. You're going to have to put it somewhere. Put it there with God. Faith, trust God's promises and know that God is a, is a gracious giver. That's what this is talking about. A rewarder of those who trust his goodness and earnestly seek him. You know, we, we, we planted a, a little group here a few years ago. We based it on Luke 9.23, which says that you take up your cross, which is an instrument of death. You take up your cross daily. And you go after Jesus Christ. You die to that old life. 
You die to it daily. It's still there. It's working on you, but it's still there, isn't it? So you die to it daily, and you walk with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. And look at, at the, the by faith uh, testimony uh, in verse 7. By faith, Noah. Oh, boy, here we go. We, we all like him in Maryland because he's a waterman. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, built an in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. And by this faith, he condemned the world and because heir of the righteousness that, and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. First, Noah believed God's warning about what was coming. Hadn't seen it, but he believed God and it's coming. Hmm, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? It was an event not yet seen. Sounds like we're back in verse 1, doesn't it? Uh, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. In other words, Noah believed God's uh, prophecy even though he couldn't see it. Hmm. Are you into that? If God tells you, you're going to believe it? Okay. And here's the second thing. We learned that, that, that Noah built the ark motivated by godly fear. Huh. He saw, he saw God as holy. He saw God as perfect. Is the one who created what we talked about a while ago. The one who has all intelligence. Who even created intelligence. I mean, this is mind-blowing, so we'll stop there. But you know what? God is. Yeah. So, arguing about him not existing. Hmm. And here's the thing. He saw that. He believed that God was holy, and he acted in fear. He saw God as holy, and we find in, in Hebrews 9.29, uh, he's a consuming fire. Thank you, Jesus, you're in the middle. Reverent fear is the only response to a God who is both just and merciful. See, God is just. It's going to be made right. And yes, he is merciful. And he's full of grace upon grace, just like John says in, in the gospel. But that grace is only known when, we, when his justice is seen against his terrible, consuming fire. If he was to be just with you and me, we'd be gone. Nuked. Be over. Praise the Lord, we have Jesus Christ. He's taken all that sin away, and he sits at the right hand of God right now interceding. And look at this. By his faith, he condemned the world. Did that not stagger anybody when you read that? By faith, he, he condemned the world. He's talking about Noah here. How, how did he condemn the world? Noah wasn't a judge. Eh. Um, well, here's the way it works. When someone lives in obedience to God, he condemns the world around him because they see God through them. You know, think about it this way. I love the way John, uh, John writes in his gospel and in his epistles and in Revelation. He's always talking about light, light of the world. Jesus was the light of the world. You know, where we grew up, we had a lot of caves. And I actually did some, some work in some caves with the Corps of Engineers. And, but there was times when you go down in there and they close the door and you don't even know where your foot is. It's so dark in there. You, can't, I mean, you don't even know if you're afraid to move. You listen, your ears become really good. But in a cave, that don't work well. So, but when someone turned on the light, you got to see where all the problems were. It all lit up. You got to see everything. Boy, you know, give me some more light. I don't, I don't want to miss any of this stuff. But that's what light is, isn't it? Jesus is the light of the world, and he's living in you. You know, so if you're at work, and you gotta, you're working in a really dark place, 
or you walk in a dark place. You know, whatever, whatever you're doing, you're the light of the world. And i got to tell you, when you light up and you show them Jesus, you're condemning the world around you. That's what it's talking about right here. Ah, that doesn't mean you're a judge. No, it wasn't a judge. He had God with him. He had Jesus in him. You see, our, we have Jesus in us, don't we? He's the light of the world all around us. Mm. You know what? In the last part of verse 7 says this. Verse, it, it, it reassures us that we're justified by faith and nothing else. And faith alone. Uh, Martin Luther did that thing, Sola Fide. And, and if, if you are uh, faith alone and nothing else. You know, I asked Brandon a while ago, not to put him on the spot. Did he leave? Huh? No, he walked on the water out of here. When, it, when, when um, you place your faith in him, Jesus Christ, and him only. Not in anything else. Faith alone. Noah became the heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Um, the ark and Noah both are a picture of the, of the church, I believe, in the world today. You know, you can get into all that symbolism, but it really is. Even in the peak of God's wrath being poured out, we find an extraordinary display of grace in, that, in Noah, don't we? Noah places faith in God only. You know what? He acted out of fear. Noah and his family are saved, not because they're more righteous than all the rest, but because Noah found favor in God and he placed his faith in him and him only. You know, it's kind of interesting. If you, theologically, you go back and read that book and you try to compare it. What a lot of people are finding out now, or a lot of people believe that Noah may not have even known what an ark was. <laughs> you know, he didn't know what a flooding was. He didn't know what all that what. He didn't know about all that, but God told him to do it, and he did it anyway, did it anyway didn't he? And, you know, he may not have been a really great boat builder, but he followed God's, God's plans, and they lived through all of that, didn't they? It's pretty, pretty interesting. Anyway, it's no surprise. Now, let's keep going here. No, it's no surprise, I think, that, that Abraham is included um, in the Hall of Faith, but don't miss the real importance of that. Um, Abel, Enoch, and Noah came before the nation of it came out and lived before the nation of Israel was even formed. So this is before all that. But Abraham is the beginning, and he's also the head of it all. And the beginning of a new nation was a really big deal for Abraham. That's really where his faith shone. Um, Look how by faith the story begins. By faith, Abraham, when he called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed, and went. Even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs and, and, uh, with him on, uh, of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Now, let me tell you what's really important about that. Back then, in Mesopotamia, there weren't a lot of people, but these were nomadic people. But they lived together in a family. When God said, take off, leave your family, just go out and into the world. I don't even know where you're going. Follow me. Just go where I tell you. That was a big deal. I don't know about you, that's a pretty big deal for us now, isn't it? If God says, look, whatever you have, sorry, you're going to have to leave it here. Take your family, and you guys just start walking down the street and go where I tell you to go. That was, for him, it was even more than that because you just didn't do that back then. Your only protection in, in your culture was, was their, your family and being able to 
move with them and stay with them. That was your protection. But here we are saying, "Mm -mm, your protection, Abraham, is me. That's God talking. Whoa, isn't that where we ought to be? Isn't that where we should be placing our faith? Well, let me tell you, everybody that's here, he's telling you to come here and, and work here with him. No, okay. I thought I'd try that and see if it worked there. Abraham's faith is seen in the fact that he left his home country in Haran, uh, which is in Mesopotamia, in obedience to God. He was obeying God, even though he didn't have a clue where he was going. That was a really big thing in his culture. In the Mesopotamian world, it could really be violent. I mean, really violent, not just making threats, but really could be something that you had to have your family with you and all that around you. I think it's remarkable that he picked himself up and went where God, he didn't even know where he was going. God was his protection. He placed his faith in him. And then verse 9 tells us that even though the Lord promised to make Abraham a great nation um, and that his descendants would possess the land, Abraham himself lived his entire life as a foreigner in a foreign land. Whoa. His faith extended beyond that, didn't it? Does ours? We know where we're going, don't we? Yeah, do you believe that? You know what? We have to see that. Every, t- every day we walk, every, every step we take, we're following Jesus because I know where he's taking us. Amen? Yeah. By faith, he, be- he, uh, he beheld something that was coming huh? that he couldn't see. Whoa, going back to verse 1 here, aren't we? And he saw the fulfillment of those promises in fruitful land and with a whole lot of descendants. That's also how they expressed their wealth back then, is is the number of people you had that were under your godly administration, your godly teaching, your godly life. That's how God blessed them. There's two important points in this passage, and and we're going to do them real quick. First, the city that God uh, builds... He's going to, we're all going to. It's an eternal city. The city of God, God's bill will not be like the cities of Mesopotamia or Egypt or even Rome. You know, Rome one time called itself the eternal city. But all those cities, even Rome, ancient Rome, has been destroyed. It's been ransacked. It's been destroyed. There's only ruins. Uh, if you ever, you know, go to Rome, you're going to see a, what's left of the Colosseo or the Colosseum. Only ruins. But the city that that God builds is eternal. And it never gets raided. We can read that. You want to go read that for yourself, read in Revelation 21. It's entirely uh, secure. It's unshakable, cannot be destroyed. That's where we're headed. You like that? Yeah, okay. That's the the new Jerusalem that you'll read about in Revelation 21. And then here's, here's the second thing I see here. Abraham walked in faith by setting his hope on the fact that God would act and bring about his eternal salvation. Ah, there's where we are. Abraham was not just looking forward to inheriting the land of Canaan. He was looking beyond Canaan to what is foreshadowed in the city of heaven coming to earth. That's what you're going to see when you read Revelation. is Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem coming down. And so he, Abraham placed his whole existence by faith in going to that new city. Where he's going. You know what? That was his confidence in God, wasn't it? He placed his faith there. And what would happen in the future? Oh, the things not seen, 
But that's where our hope is. Is your hope in Christ? Yeah. Place it all there. Not in the lottery. And I'm hoping I win the lottery, right? My hope is in Jesus Christ. Him and him only by faith. Here's the bottom line. If you don't have any assurance of the joy of the life to come by placing your faith in God, then it probably makes sense for you to live every moment just trying to be as happy as you can, making all your existence in this world as happy and wonderful and exciting and get all those toys and get them all together. You know, Paul even said over in 1 Corinthians 15, 32, he said, live like, let us eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Mm. That's kind of sobering, isn't it? Because I want to tell you, I heard this, heard this one time, one of my favorite preachers, even though he was of a denomination, <laughs> I'm kidding. His, his, uh, was D. James Kennedy. D. James Kennedy had this discussion one time with a young man. If you heard this, let me tell it again because I love loved for people to hear it and I love to tell it. It was a young man who just came out of school, out of high school. And uh, he said, man, you have done great. Young man, you have a four-point average. That's just great. The world is going to love you. What are you going to do with that? He said, I'm going to college. I've been accepted in one of the finest universities there is. Oh, that's wonderful, Dr. Kennedy says. And he says, so what are you going to do after that? And then what? And he says, well, I guess I'm going to settle down and have a family. And we're going to have a successful business. Wow. And then what? Well, then we're going to have kids, and we're going to raise them up, take them to church every week. That's great. And then what? Well, I guess then we'll work hard and build a big, get really, gather a lot of things and, you know, have a great retirement. He says, great, and then what? Well, I guess then we'll die. And then what? Sobering, isn't it? And then what? Isn't it great to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Our then what is a person, the truth, the life, and the way. It's Jesus Christ. Look, our cities, our homes, and the comforts of this life, they're going away. I gotta say, there's a lot of it that's already going away. And some that stand that shouldn't. But everything that's here, everything in this world is going away, isn't it? It's not gonna be here. You know, we used to ask our kids when you're growing up, yeah, what are you gonna do with that 100 years from now? Dad, I gotta have a new car. Yeah, what are you gonna do with that 100 years from now? What good is it? We're living for Christ, we're living for Him today. Faith in Christ is what grants us citizenship into the new Jerusalem. And that one's forever. That one is forever. Abraham saw that city even when he was roaming around. He was a nomad in the middle of the desert, I think. He knew that was coming. He knew what he was looking for. And we may not be wandering around out in the desert. In some ways we are, but we may not be out there in the middle of that desert. But all pilgrims, all Christians are pilgrims on their way to the new Jerusalem. So an eternal life with Christ. You know what we have here, right, are just really sandcastles, aren't they? They're going to be washed away. But they're nothing like that heavenly city we're headed for. If you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, do it now. We don't know when Christ is coming back, but he is. He, that's one of his promises. He is coming back. We don't know when that will be, but he is coming back. 
If you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, in him only, let me give you a promise. He'll never leave you. You'll have joy that the rest of the world does not even know, can't even talk about. But you can with brothers and sisters here because let me tell you what, look around you. Here's something a little scary. These people around you, we're going to be living together eternally. That's good to know, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but as we're walking together, isn't it great to know that Jesus Christ is the one that's taking us there? And we have a place to go to be with him forever. If you've never done that, if you've never made that transaction, it's easy. All you do is say, Lord, I can't live like this anymore. I know I'm headed to hell. I know that my life is full of sin, and I've never, ever been able to do anything with it. And I never will be, but I know you can. He promises that he will. If you confess with your tongue and with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, make him Lord of your life, you faith him for everything, he'll come in, and you have to just let it all go. Leave it with him, he'll take it all. And then he comes in, and you live together by faith. In this world, yeah, there's times. But he gives you a lot of trials to strengthen you, and he builds you up, because someday we're all going to be together with him in heaven, and we're going to be rejoicing. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your great faithfulness, Lord, to us. Lord, I thank you for this great lesson about faith in you. And Lord, I thank you for your promises that we can trust, that we can faith, knowing, Lord, that you made them. You're God. You're the creator of everything there is, and you cannot break promises. Lord, we thank you for your promises. And we thank you, Lord, that we can place our faith in them and in you because you said them. But, Lord, you are Lord and our God. Lord, may our hearts this morning be just laid out before you, knowing, Lord, that you cling to us. You never let us go. And you're molding us and making us into what you would have us to be that is pleasing to God the Father. You are indeed an incredible Lord and an incredible Savior. We love you, we praise you, and we fall down before you. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn, a hymn of response. And I don't think it's right for anybody to come here, hear the word of God, meet the Lord, and not respond to him. So we're going to do that together. Would you stand together and respond to him as we sing this song? This hymn, the great hymn. Take my life, Lord.